0: Hey everybody, this is Father John Ricardo with Acts 29, and in the middle of all the craziness and the uncertainty that's going on right now, it seems from our perspective as a team that it's worth using these days to reflect in a more deliberate way on the scriptures every day, which for many of us now is the only spiritual food that we're receiving. And so we're going to do a special podcast series simply entitled, Be Not Afraid, God's Word in Uncertain Times, and we'll try to post something every day usually reflecting on the scriptures so that we can listen in on what God is trying to say to us in these days. History and tapestries. Those are the two things in my mind today as we reflect on the scriptures, look back at this season of Lent, which is one we're never going to forget, and anticipate the days of Holy Week, which are now rapidly upon us, right? So first, history. It's so crucial, perhaps especially right now in times like these, when when things just look like they're out of control when we're wondering, like, "Does, does anybody know what's going on? Most especially God. Like, is he there? Is he doing anything? Does he care? It's so crucial to remember that history is not just some sequence of random events. History is quite literally his story. That is to say God's story. What's that mean? That means God is the author of what we call history. He's the author of the drama that is creation. God is the one who created the universe. He created the earth, and most especially, he created our race with a purpose, a plan, a reason behind it. The ultimate reason is that you and I would one day partake of God's own divine life for all eternity And what we're seeing right now in the scriptures is we're looking back to various events in history, which at the time seemed somewhat random, and scripture's kind of putting them together for us. So in your mind, if you can, or even better, actually, in reality, open up the Bible, go to Romans 5. Romans 5, starting in verse 12. This was the passage that we heard on the first Sunday of Lent when everything still seemed like it was going pretty well in the world or at least in our country. And what Paul's doing in this chapter is he's, he's helping us to understand human history in the light of two persons. Adam, the one who, together with his wife Eve, by their disobedience, brought our race into the predicament that we're in, namely that he sold our race by their rebellion against God unknowingly into slavery, Slavery to the powers of sin and death. And then a new Adam, someone who by his obedience restored, and actually did more than just restore, but brought it to an even higher level, all of creation. That's what Paul's doing in this dense passage. So it starts in verse 12. Paul writes, Therefore, as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread, To all men, because all men sinned. Then he goes on in verse 15. But the free gift, he's talking about Jesus now. That was Adam before, and what Adam did. Adam's rebellion brought sin into the world. Sin brought death into the world, and then death spread to everybody, right? It hovers over our race, and it has since the time of Adam. But now he's talking about Jesus. The free gift is not like the trespass. That is to say, Adam's disobedience. For if many, we could say all, right, died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift in the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the effect of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. That's Adam again. But the free gift Following many trespasses, the free gift would be Jesus' death and resurrection. Well, this brings justification. If because of one man's trespass, death reigned, the, the word there is lorded, ruled, through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. As one man's trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one man's act of righteousness leads to acquittal and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience, that's Adam, many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, that's Jesus, many will be made righteous. Why is it worth going back to that? Because... These two figures, right, these two persons, Adam and Jesus, they're the bookends, if you will, of human history. The first one is the one who who brought uh, wreckage into our race. The other one is the one who came to restore it. The eternal son of God become man, who's become the new Adam, to restore it and to elevate it. Now, why is that so important? Because it helps set the context for Abraham, who shows up in the first reading today from Genesis. What's, what's Abraham's Role so God makes this seemingly scandalous choice to use one man, Abraham, to call him from his homeland and then to make a promise to him that a covenant with him. And the covenant is that um, all nations will be blessed in him, huh? I'm making you the father of a host of nations. I will render you exceedingly fertile. I will make nations of you. Kings shall stem from you. I will maintain my covenant with you and your descendants after you throughout the ages as an everlasting pact to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land in which you are now staying, the whole land of Canaan as a permanent possession, and I will be their God. So Abraham is chosen by God to be the means by which God's plan, which went off the rails, if you will, in Adam, can get back on the rails, that humanity can be gathered together again, brought into unity again. That was the call of Abraham. Here's the problem. As N.T. Wright so often brings up in many of his works, the great Anglican scholar, Abraham himself is part of the descendants of Adam, who needs to be rescued. Therefore, the call on him, and in fact, the call on the people of Israel, can't be fulfilled because they themselves first need to be rescued. Their call was to rescue the race from its uh, slavery, but they can't rescue them because they too are enslaved. And so Jesus comes to be the fulfillment of all that God has promised Because here's one who comes from outside of time, outside of human history. This is the author of the story. This is Shakespeare stepping into his play or Hitchcock entering into his movie. That's just an image of what God does in Jesus. The author of the story becomes man and steps onto the stage. And by his death and his resurrection that you and I are celebrating next week, suddenly we are released from our slavery to sin and death, filled now with the power of the Holy Spirit and are called to be instruments in this chapter that God is writing in human history, agents in his hand, so as to bring about in our time, in our concrete circumstance, in our own lives, with our own centers of influence, we're called to be agents of recreation, to touch everything in such a way that we can bring it back into harmony with what the Father originally intended it to be. That's history. And one day, the King is going to come back, right? The Lord's going to come back in glory. And not until then will everything perfectly be made right. But even now, even in the midst of this pandemic, you and I can say to the Lord, Lord, use me today today. To touch people's lives in such a way, whether it's by texting, a phone call, an email, uh, seeing someone at a store if we've got to go out, um, if I'm serving on the front lines to see the face of Jesus and those that I'm ministering to, to use me in such a way so as to be a means by which I can somehow recreate this situation that I'm in and to bring it more into harmony with how you intended it to be. Long way of saying, probably, like, Lord, help me today to fill every encounter with your love and your grace. So what about tapestries? Well, real quick, I've always loved this image. I think it was used by Corey ten Boom, and it's used by countless other people uh, since. So if if you were to see, uh, like, one of those giant wall tapestries that hang in a museum, and you were to go on the other side of it. So if you look at it, it's a picture of uh, could be people hunting or maybe it's a castle or a scene from scripture or whatever it might be. It's a beautiful thing. It's, you know, 20 30 feet wide. But if you go on the other side of it, you go behind the tapestry and you look on the back of it, you don't see anything. You don't see an image. You just see a bunch of strings hanging there. It doesn't look like it makes any sense. It's only on the other side of the tapestry that you actually can see the beauty. And it's often been said, rightly so, that we're living our lives right now on the back side of the tapestry. What's going on, perhaps especially right now in this pandemic, is it just looks like it's a bunch of strings hanging there. And we're wondering, like, how does this fit? What can come out of this that could be any good? But I have to constantly remember God is the one who's weaving that tapestry. And one day in heaven, we're going to see how it all fits together. And as a friend of mine says often, I wonder if we don't just spend the first like half of eternity looking at each other and understanding how everything worked for good, just like God promised. Everything works for good for those who love God. And we're going to look at how he used every situation, no matter how hard, or confusing it was at the time, and we're going to look at each other and go, oh my gosh, of course. (laughs) Of course that's what he did with it. Because God's amazing at turning death into life, darkness into light, trash into gold. It's what he does. It's who he is. Because that's who he is, you and I don't have to be afraid. Because he's not just watching from afar. He's with you and with me in the midst of everything we're doing today. He's writing the next chapter of history in your life and mine right now at this time. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget you were born for this moment.